This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munganess St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. You know, there are many reasons why people should listen to Brian Kelly's show, Total Information AM, on Sunday. What happened uh, on Super Bowl Sunday in the morning when you asked me what the score was going to be? Uh, I think you nailed it. 31-20. 31-20. I enjoyed doing those sports casts with you, but no no bigger than that one. That was <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yep, How, you nailed it. How you doing, man? You got your Stanley Cup champions uh, cap on. The yep. champs a uh, little wobbly right now. What's yeah. going on there? I don't know. I think I think uh maybe Jordan Bennington might need a little break for a little while. Uh he's been playing a lot of hockey over the last year. And you know the teams are playing, uh, you know, when you're the champ as we all know, they Done for you, so you got to be ready every game, and they're all in playoff battles, and we're not. So I think there's a little bit of the edge that is just—it's hard to generate until you are actually in that desperate position. Yeah. So uh, they need to clean some things up, definitely, and need to get back to that edge that they need to play with to to be an effective team. I hear that. Uh, we have Chris Pronger coming up at eleven twenty this morning to talk about uh, his number forty four retired. We're going to hear some of his press conference as well, but. Man, that's exciting. I mean, that's, he is uh, one of the greatest Blues of all time. And think about when he came in. He was traded for Brendan Shanahan. That was a to say that was a disliked trade would be an understatement. I would argue that that may have been the worst trade in Blues history <laughs> because where we were at the time we made that trade, we had Brendan Shanahan, we had Brett Hull, we had a team capable of winning the cup. We had brought in Mike Keenan had brought in the old Rangers and Oilers and was building a team to win now, and he traded arguably our best player for a project. Now, down the road, the project turned out to be a pretty good player. But at that time, it may have cost us a cup. Uh, Could be. Could be. At that Uh, time. But, man, Keenan was right on when he said that Pronger was a special talent. And yeah. what an incredible player he has been. What an incredible person he's been for the St. Louis community. And to see number 44 go in the rafters next season, it'll happen at some point next season, will be an amazing moment. He'll be the eighth Blues uh, player to have his number retired. One more thing for you. So I was listening to your show. I, mm-hmm. I, I love your show. And well, I heard Patrick you. Risch mm-hmm. on with you for a while. Yeah, uh, Kurt Hunzecker is going to come on here at 10.15. But what did you ultimately gather from Patrick I feel like, and he ended with a cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. what, what's the tone there about the XFL? And what did you think of the first day? I thought the first day, what I saw, the football was pretty doggone good. Uh, and like he said, some of the sideline interviews and things like that, they need to work on. But those were those were very interesting. I mean, right after the quarterback fumbled a handoff, the, the reporter's waiting there. What happened on that play? You know, yeah. Uh, I think it's it's fun. It's it's more lighthearted. You know, it's not as serious as NFL, obviously, because there's yeah. But I, but I think it's it's definitely watchable. Uh, and I like I told Patrick, every play, those guys feel like they're auditioning for the NFL. 
So they are going to play hard, and they're going to, they're, you know, everything they do is going to be under a microscope. Uh, and I think that, as, as Patrick said, they have the financial backing. They've done this right, building up over two years to launch it when it's ready and not before. I think there's a market for it. I don't know how big it'll ever get, but I think it can survive. I was, um, it has my attention. Now, yeah. I was busy yesterday with a lot of things, including my daughter's basketball game, uh, watching Bob Knight at Assembly Hall. I had a charity event last night. I didn't really get to watch the XFL, except late last night I watched ESPN do the highlights. Mm -hmm. And I liked the way they did it. They, they treated it like an NFL game. It's not gimmicky. They right. really they got into it. They showed some of the access that we're getting from the coaches being mic'd up and hearing what's going on on the sideline. I'm very, very intrigued. And I will watch the Battlehawks game today at 4 yeah. o'clock on ESPN. And I just want to see how this thing works out. Now, it'll take some time. There are going to be some bumps in the road, I'm sure. sure. But the fact that all the games are on national TV and a lot of money's being invested tells you the production will be good, the access will be good, and it's going to be here for a while. And these games, remember, these are their first games, so it's almost like a preseason game for, for these teams that have never played together before. So you got to kind of take that into account. Uh, I'm disappointed in myself that I don't have anything with Battlehawks on it to wear today. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a jersey or a cap or something. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing to seeing how successful it is and how good our team is. We have some time. February 23rd is that mm -hmm. first game in the Dome. So we have a little time there until we get to see the Battlehawks at home against New York. They and do actually, have games. ESPN has now given the XFL more coverage than they give the NHL. How about that? <laughs> That's very true. Not on this radio station, though. We're going to give the NHL plenty of coverage. At 1030, we're going to hear what the Blues did yesterday. They lost to the Stars 3-2 to in overtime. We'll hear some of the reaction in the locker room. Uh, uh, it was uh, Rupa Hints with the uh, game winner, 219 of overtime, beating Jordan Bennington. We'll also hear at 1015, as I mentioned, Kurt Hunziker, the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks, is waiting, and he's going to join us in four minutes from Dallas. 1030, lots of blues. 1045, Jeff Rabjohns, who covers the Indiana Hoosiers for 24-7 Sports Network. He was at Assembly Hall yesterday for Bob Knight's return, first time for the legendary coach inside that building since he was fired 20 years ago, an emotional moment. Moment. Indiana lost that game 74-62 to Purdue, but what they're going to remember is that Bob Knight was back in the house hugging Isaiah Thomas and Quinn Buckner and all of his former players. Many of his former players were there from that 79-80 Big Ten championship team. Mizzou won, beat Arkansas in overtime 83-79. They're now 5-0 and on Rally for Ryan Day. And Brad Luce is going to join us at 1145. His daughter is Ryan Luce, who beat cancer. That family continues to make a push to raise awareness of pediatric cancer and pediatric cancer research. It has been underfunded for years. They are raising thousands of dollars. And by the way, the Tigers are undefeated on Rally for Ryan Day. Now 5-0. and Very good win for Mizzou, and we'll get into that on the way on the show as well. Slu played well. SLU lost to number 6 Dayton, 71-65, but played very well. We'll discuss the Billikens a little bit on this show. Dayton is an excellent team. Billikens need to find a way to finish inside, and if they can do that, they're going to be tough to knock off in the NCAA tournament. They won't have to play Dayton that much more, maybe one more time in the Atlantic 10 tournament. SIU, they're going to be a tough out in Arch Madness. They won again. They won seven in a row. They beat Missouri State 68-66 on a buzzer beater, and the Salukis are now 9-3. and They're second in the Valley. Folks, they were picked last. They were picked dead last by many people 
across the country, including the Valley media. They're second in the league. SIUE with a nice win over Eastern Kentucky, 83-75 yesterday. Huge show. So, as I mentioned, Chris Pronger will join us at 1120. Let me run down the list for you real quick before we take a break. Kurt Hunziker is next. We'll discuss the Blues at 1030. Jeff Rabjohn's at 1045. Chris Raby is going to join us at 1105 to talk some Cardinal baseball. The Cardinals, many of them are in Jupiter. Chris is on his way, and we will have pitchers and catchers reporting on Tuesday. Kenny Wallace in Daytona. At 11.30, Kenny, a great KMOX fan and listener and St. Louis fan, is racing cars down there. He's not in the Daytona 500, but he's having some fun. He actually raced last night. So we'll hear what he has to say about the upcoming Daytona 500. And I want to get his thoughts on if NASCAR is going to, if we're going to get a cup race in St. Louis. I have a very good feeling about this. And then Brad Luce at 11.45. What a show. Can't wait. Cole Duggar's our producer. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back after this on KMOX. Battlehawks cleared to engage. That they are, and they're in Dallas and getting ready to take on the Renegades at 4 o'clock on ESPN. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX, and a real treat to have our first guest on the line right from Dallas. We go straight there. Kurt Hunziker, the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Man, what is flowing through your body this morning? You have to be feeling like you're on cloud nine. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Uh, technically, it's coffee, a lot of it. Uh, honestly, didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night just because I kept thinking that seven months and one week ago, it was just me in the business office, and here we are now hours away from our first kickoff. And, man, I, I, I couldn't be any more excited, especially how great the two games yesterday looked on TV. Yeah, what did you think, and what are you hearing from people that saw those two games? Well, the buzz, um, well, from what I saw on TV, it, it sounded lively. The crowds were really into it. And then all the team presidents got on a call uh, yesterday, and they're just like, my goodness, it was loud. People had fun. Uh, the players were getting into it. I mean, both home teams won, and a lot of the interviews after the game were, hey, th- this place was electric. So now it just gets me even more charged up for the 23rd when pro football comes back to the Dome. Yeah, it's February 23rd. You'll be playing New York. Can't wait for that. Meanwhile, you have Dallas today. Dallas is the favorite in this game, and I say that because I notice that the gambling aspect is absolutely part of this. They are mentioning on SportsCenter, on the highlights yesterday, they talked about the spread. They talked about the over-under. That's part of what is being marketed, isn't it? No question. And that was really because it's what the fans asked for. When we, during the summer, each of the eight markets did focus groups, and we had various different types of consumer segments. We had diehard football fans. We had mothers of young kids who played football. We had people who don't like football at all, and we had gamblers. And what they really requested was, hey, be upfront, be open, give us the information. And obviously the two telecasts yesterday were were promoting it. Uh, The first game had a pretty dramatic swing there when they took the points off the board on the field goal. Uh, that changed that entire setup on the over and on the cover. And that's what people want. I mean, if you look at the chatter on social media yesterday, they they love the transparency of everything. They love the access uh, in the interviews with the coaches and players. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people wanted to see it. And, and now I don't think we'll be answering questions about, hey, is this just like the first XFL? Because it's clearly not. Um, the gameplay was great. No gimmicks. 
and it was just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was the D.C. Defenders winning over the Seattle Dragons yesterday. The final was 31-19, the first game of this brand-new football league. You had a punt block for a touchdown. You had a player swearing during an in-game television interview. Mm -hmm. You had Vince McMahon hoping to really capture the attention of football fans. That's the first and foremost. The sports fans are going to latch on here, but you want, and you're, the timing couldn't be better. There was This was a calculated move. Football fans, Super Bowl is over, college football is long over, and there is a need there. There's a hunger. There's a want just to see some hitting, to see. You know, I talked to somebody yesterday at a charity event last night, and you know what he said to me? He goes, I'm just looking forward to tailgating. I just want to go tailgate outside the dome and go to a football game. That feels good to me, and that – that is part of this, isn't it? It absolutely is. I mean, there's uh, almost 40 million fans who, when the Super Bowl ends, they get really, like, sad, like, cry on their pillow because there's no more football for months, and now the XFL is going to fill that void. But then you have the other side of the equation, and you saw a lot of this on the crowd shots yesterday, too. It was two very young crowds. You saw kids having a good time. You saw young, you, you saw young families having a good time. And that's what the affordability of the XFL is going to bring. It's going to bring a, an almost new generation of fans to professional football at a time where there's nothing. I mean, it, it's such a uh, almost a synergistic or symbiotic fit in the football ecosystem that the fall leagues are over. There's still an appetite for good football. And, you know, yesterday's any indication this is going to be a lot of fun the next, you know, 12 weeks. New York. L.A., Dallas, Houston, D.C., Seattle, Tampa. These are big markets, man. I mean, Tampa is mm -hmm. the smallest of those, but still a big market. And then St. Louis comes in. I was asked this question on KMOX yesterday. I'd be curious what your answer is. I think it would be along the same lines as mine. But why such big markets and why not markets that don't have professional football? I think the better question is, and it continues to go back to everything the XFL did had the fan in mind. and They engaged fans throughout every facet of the business development of building this brand. And as Jeffrey Pollock, our league president, likes to say, we're building a 100-year brand, is you, you, you engage the fan base and go where the fans are. And there are a lot of different metrics out there that suggest that the eight, uh, eight markets in the XFL are, are eight of the top 10 or top 12 most avid football fan markets uh, in the country. And St. Louis is a, we all know it's a great sports town. It is a phenomenal football town. And so your friend who was talking about the tailgating, uh, just the corporate support that has that is called to us uh, just as much as we've engaged the community saying that they want to be a part of this team, they want to be a part of the storytelling really shows that Mr. McMahon and, and Oliver Locke and Jeffrey Pollock and the team in Stanford, Connecticut did an excellent job in selecting St. Louis as one of the eight franchises this year. That's right. And I answered along the same lines to the show that asked me here, as I said, you know, you want to start this league. You want it on as many uh, in front of as many eyeballs as possible and, the, and football fans' eyeballs. That's what you want. New York, Houston, mm -hmm. Dallas, et cetera, and you've certainly done that. Kurt Hunziker is with us, the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks. He's in Dallas. They're getting ready to take on the Renegades at 4 o'clock. Along those lines, February 23rd, how are ticket sales going? I would anticipate you're going to have a pretty good opening crowd at the Dome. Uh, we definitely do. We're definitely trending to be well north of 20,000. Uh, for the game, we are 
now starting to see a pretty big pickup on game two, home game three, shortly thereafter. I, I will tell you that if you know, I, I joke about the size of the mountain or I reference the size of the mountain, if you're looking at a line chart of when ticket sales, probably about an hour into the Seattle DC game, it was an almost vertical increase. People were watching it on TV. They're like, Oh, this is, this, this looks good. I like this. And so we are wanting and we are hoping that St. Louis comes out in droves and we rock the dome on the 23rd and we play New York. You know, capacities, we're only in the lower bowl. So it's going to be 27, 28,000. And given the fact it's the dome, it's going to be loud. And any indication of the crowds in D.C. and Houston yesterday and what we anticipate in New York and, and Dallas today, you know, the crowds play a massive role. Uh, in the game day experience for the players. And so if we, we have the dome field advantage and we get that place buzzing, uh, the Battle Hawks are, are going to come out soaring for sure. Kurt, it's going to be really loud, really, really loud in there. And and that's uh, 100% true. I think that that will come across on TV, and that might end up being the story. It's just a matter of time that after your team starts to play several games, and maybe it'll take a season or two, you'll start getting picked apart a little bit. People say, come on now, this offense needs to do this, or this defense right. has to be better in this area. You're going to be part of the sports conversation. I bet you welcome that. That 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 criticism, the the fans want to see a certain that, – that's almost like you've been accepted into the fraternity once you the fans start to pick you apart a little bit. <laughs> that means they care, and that is a dream scenario for us. You're absolutely correct. That's going to be fun. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a blast. By the way, how are gear sales going? What's the easiest way to get some Battlehawks gear? Uh, well, now there's multiple options. So the easiest way, uh, everything's replenished on the website. So the uh, XFLBattlehawks.com shop button there, you can get everything. We, we now have the customizable jerseys, which has been the first question we get asked really since August when the identity came out. But now you're starting to see it uh, on social media. People are taking pictures of Dick Sporting Goods and Academy uh, with with merchandise. So buy it, wear it, get loud and proud about this team. We're ready to come home on the 23rd of February. You sent me a picture of what you're looking at right now, an empty stadium in Dallas. What's that scene like? How how do things look down there? It's for those of you who remember the uh, World Series in 11, it's kind of disorienting. Uh, sitting behind home plate and seeing a football stadium in front of you. It's really, I mean, it's really cool looking how they set it up here. And we anticipate to be very, very loud. Uh, Dallas has great fans. And I know we, the Battle Hawks, Coach Hayes and the team, you know, they're, they're in for a, a battle today with uh, Coach Stoops and the, and the Renegades. But we anticipate a really good crowd. You know, weather is the weather. It's not it's a little bit misty right now, but, uh, the football players love playing this kind of weather, so it's going to be great to look on, great to watch on TV. Like you said, it's on ESPN. We have watch parties all all over the city. Come on out and support the team. There'll be about a million shots of Bob Stoops with his headset on walking up and down the sideline, but that'll be a cool sight to see. It really will. And to see these faces back in the game again is very exciting. The XFL gets going again today, 4 o'clock on ESPN. And that's the other thing. All of these games are on national TV. These games are going to have a little quicker pace. There won't be as much downtime. It's going to move. And the Battle Hawks will play the Renegades today at 4 o'clock on ESPN. And already ready to go with his cup of coffee is the president of the Battle Hawks, Kurt Hunziker. I can't thank you enough for taking the time on a game day for joining me. Thank you, Tom. I'd love to have you come down and do the show from the Dome in a couple weeks. Uh, we are talking about it. We are talking about it February 23rd. Uh, let's, uh, let's discuss that further. We'll do a little tailgate show. 
Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you again for having me. Thank you very much. Kurt Hunsecker, the president of the St. Louis Battles. This is an exciting day. This is the first time in St. Louis history that a football team was born here. St. Louis Cardinals came from Chicago. Rams, as we know, came from L.A. and then went back. This is our team in the XFL, and it should be fun. I Look, this league is going to last for a little while at least because you have a lot of money invested. you got big markets, big networks. There's a lot going into this, so we'll see how this all goes. We'll take a break. When we come back, the NHL, the National Hockey League, the St. Louis Blues, the Stanley Cup champions, little wobbly right now. We'll figure out what's going on with them next on KMOX. Welcome back to the show. It's 10.33. I'm Tom Ackerman, and it's 6.08 p.m. last night. Al McInnes and Chris Pronger were doing a Q&A with season ticket holders when the Hall of Famer told the other Hall of Famer, drop this on him. Chris, there's, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm missing one thing, but uh, on behalf of the St. Louis Blues and Mr. Tom Stillman, for all you've done for the St. Louis Blues and beyond, it's honor for me to tell you that sometime next season, we are going to retire your number 44 to the left. Yeah, no, I was very surprised. I was coming down to do a Q&A with the Hall of Fame season ticket holders, and next thing you know, I was trying to figure out how to break it to me. You might have been a little emotional there. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, listen, I've, I've been fortunate enough to receive a lot of awards, but uh, when you've played, uh, I guess, the better part of half my, my career in, in one city, and you know, we weren't able to do what they did last year, but I uh, had a number of great years here in St. Louis, and you like to think that uh, you, you left a, a positive mark and, a, and you uh, accomplished uh, some big things. Obviously, uh, in my personal life, I did, and, and now, uh, you know, having, having my number retired up there with the, the Blues greats is uh, very special and something that, uh, you know, is, is still very new and... Uh, you know, it's it's hard to put into words because you know you look at the guys that are up there. They're, um, you know, Holly and and Bobby Plager and Barkley Plager and Sutter and Federico and Al. And you look at the St. Louis landscape, so to speak, from '67 all the way through the to now. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, you realize what uh, what you meant to a city and an organization. And uh, you know, it certainly gives you a warm feeling inside. What a neat moment for the Hall of Famer Chris Pronger. Sometime next season, he will have his number retired, number 44, and he learned it from Al McInnes. They used to play together and now still great friends up there just doing a Q&A before the game, and he drops that news on him. What a cool thing. So it is going to be a very special moment for Chris Pronger. We're going to hear from him at 11.20 this morning. He will tell us a little bit more about what he thinks and we'll tell a few stories here on KMOX. Chris Pronger is going to join us live at 1120. In the meantime, the Blues went out and lost another game. Now, they got a point, but they lost in overtime to the Dallas Stars when Rupa Hintz scored the game winner at 219 of overtime. He finished with a couple of goals 
and the Stars beat the Blues 3-2 to in overtime. Hintz flipped in a wrist shot from the top of the right faceoff circle for the winner. It was his 17th goal of the season. Miro Haskinen dropped the puck to Hintz, and his shot beat Jordan Bennington right through the legs. Colton Pareko had a couple of first-period goals, but that's all the offense the Blues could get. Bennington made 31 saves, but he couldn't make that last one, and the Blues fell to 7-9 and in overtime. Let's go to the locker room now. Braden Shen is talking to the media last night and talks a little bit about what he thought about the game. We'll also hear from Colton Pareko and from Blues coach Craig Berube. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they were uh, the team uh, on the back-to-back that probably had uh, a little bit more jump in the, the last half of the game, and they were able to find some goals. But that day, they're, they're a good hockey team. Um, it's a battle out there. It's a grind. It's, it's always close games against them, and, and uh, they got the better of us tonight. Looks like you guys had chances, had plenty of good goal-scoring opportunities and just couldn't get him to go in. Yeah, yeah we had, I mean, it's got to have been a theme lately, no doubt about it, but every night you're going to get chances. You're not going to score on all of them, and... and uh, you know, tonight was no different. Uh, we feel like we, we had some chances, and, and uh, we got to find ways to uh, to score goals and, and uh, win games. Your chief was talking the other day, as, as you know, just about, hey, it's time to get hungry, time to get desperate. Did you have enough of that tonight? Um, better, for sure. You know, it was definitely more of a... Uh, you know, physical game, uh, lots of battles. Um, yeah, that's how it is when you play those guys. So, um, you know, we still feel like we, we can raise our level uh, a lot more, and, and we are going to. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a little bit of a dip in the in the schedule right now where we're not playing great hockey or, or, or periods of time where we're not putting together a full 60, and, and we're, we're going to find ways to do it here And because uh, we believe in one another in this locker room. 13 shots after the first period. Why was it tough generating tonight? After the first or second? After the first, yeah. Yeah, 12 in the first, and I think 13 the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, after the second, we, we just didn't generate, you know, we, we didn't play our style of hockey, which we usually play pretty good in the second period, and that's quicking up pucks, getting on the four check, grinding teams down. I think they did that, to, they reversed it on us, and they did that to us, and, and we were able to, you know, we were spending more time at our own end and, and playing lots of defense, and, and, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a matter of you know shooting pucks. I think it just we didn't have the puck enough, and we weren't in their end enough, and, and we weren't generating anything. I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough one, but uh, great look by by Tomer. I just kind of caught it at the last second. He kind of passed it through a couple guys. Great look, and obviously a great passer. So um, I was ready, but I just kind of caught it at the last second and um, just tried to throw it at the net, even if I didn't put it in. Just try to hit a stick or or something. So um, I don't know. Yeah. Was, it, was it rolling on you a little bit? Too? I think it might have been, I don't know. I actually don't even know. I just kind of grabbed it and, um, like I said, just kind of wanted to get it towards the net, maybe off of the stick or someone in front. You know, just been kind of seen lately on the team. There's, there's, there were good chances, plenty of guys tonight that just couldn't get in the net. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it is. I think we've we've been playing playing good. We've had our chances, and, um, well, yeah, we're just in the middle of a little bit of a grind right now, and um, that's... That's the way it goes. It's a long season. I think that we have the group in here that knows how to respond and um, that, that we know what to do. Obviously, we're, we're in a good spot still. There's um, nothing to be worried about, obviously. And uh, just as we finish up here in the season, we, we're going to start building our game here, um, putting some wings together, and obviously getting to the playoffs uh, rolling. Looks like we lacked energy in the second period. I thought that third period got it back a little bit. It was better. Um, good first. You know, the PK goal is just a mistake. Shouldn't happen, but um, could have got out of that period 2 nothing. 
Well, at times I did. Um, you know, I think energy was a, a big thing tonight, I thought, for us. Um, it looked at times that we lacked it. Um, so, you know, there was times that, you know, it was a hard-fought game. Like, we got a point. Like, they're a good team. They, they're, they, play, they play a heavy game. Can there be such a thing as a, a will-be-fine attitude? Like, maybe don't play well for stretching games, but will-be-fine is kind of firmly... Well, there can be, yeah. I'm not saying I'm... No, I don't think I see that at all. I think if I go back to the games, um, they played some pretty good hockey and, you know, Winnipeg, both games, you know, we shouldn't lose those games, in my opinion. Scoring chances were there tonight. Like there a lot of yeah, there's some, we had a great chance in a third period to go ahead. Ryan O'Reilly there. I mean, you know, uh, Dunn had an empty net. Perenko had an empty net. Would have been a hat trick for him. Yeah, there's chances. You got to execute. Um, missed opportunities. <laughs> Yeah, he's just he's shooting it and he's he's shooting it quicker. He's just that's that's his whole mindset is just when he gets it he's gonna blast it, which it's paying off with a shot. He can beat a goalie. That's something he's been working on here. Well, he works on it all. The, <clears throat> no, they work on it all the time. Every practice they work on it. So it's just a mindset. Did you see any mistakes tonight? I mean, it looked like a very clean game. Yeah, they're, you know, like they they got a lot of speed. Um, I thought they used their speed pretty well. Um, put a, you know, it gets you on your heels a little bit. But I thought we recovered well on a lot of them, and uh, we did a good job of um, you know keeping it on the outside for the most part. But you know, there's always mistakes. Like I said, you know, the PK goal is a mistake that shouldn't happen. Um, but. You know, it's a game of mistakes too, and uh, it's a game of you know capitalizing on you know certain opportunities to win a hockey game. And we had the, we had those chances. I thought in the third period there were some real good chances, and we didn't capitalize on them, and ended up getting a point. You know, we had to kill the penalty there, so and then you know they scored in overtime. I thought he was good tonight, you know. I don't think he liked the last goal, uh, but for the most part, you know, he, he played a solid game tonight. Yeah, there's always thought that goes into every decision, so. Well, there too many men on the other side, but <clears throat> whatever. I mean, yeah. Could have got a penalty for too too many men. That's Blues coach Craig Berube. You can see he's you know he's not overly concerned about this team. The one question came from Jerry, Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic: Is there something along the lines of is there a oh you know no big deal kind of feeling they can start coming in? And he didn't feel that way. I think he thinks that still the best hockey is coming. That they will play consistent hockey and they played a hard fought game and got a point out of it and lost to a very good team in the Dallas Stars. Blues do have a five point lead in the Central Division of the Colorado Avalanche, five point lead in the entire Western Conference. 
But it's something to watch. The Blues have fallen back a little bit here, and we'll see what happens when they take off. Next, the Blues' next game will be at Anaheim, taking on the Ducks. Coming up next, a little college basketball discussion with Jeff Rabjohns, who covers Indiana University. What an unbelievable day they had yesterday at Assembly Hall. Bob Knight walked through the tunnel for the first time in years. First time he was even in the building in 20 years. That's next. Tom Ackerman back with you, and it is a pleasure to be joined by Jeff Rabjohns, live at 1048 Central Time. He covers the Indiana Hoosiers, my alma mater, for Pigs.com. Boy, I've been reading Pigs.com forever. Part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Jeff was in the house when Bob Knight walked through the tunnel at Assembly Hall for the first time in 20 years. Jeff, how are you? Great to talk to you. Tom, how are you, man? Always good to talk to you. I'm uh, doing great. And I'll tell you what, I woke up yesterday morning like it was Christmas morning. I mean, I've been waiting and dreaming of that moment for 20-plus years. Bob Knight walking through the tunnel one more time. It was uh, September 10th, 2000 that uh, Mm -hmm. he was let go. And we all know the reasons why, and that story has been told many times. But that long wait was finally over yesterday. And... It was the players, wasn't it? The former players that he loved. He was tough on them, but it was tough love. They were the ones eventually who got it done. Yeah, his former players and then maybe a couple other people uh, who, who, who were involved and, and deserve credit as well. But the primary driving force was his former players saying, Coach, you know, we want you with us. Um, you know, one of the big moments was a phone call from Randy Wetman uh, just uh, several weeks ago. And Randy said, basically, Coach, or they're having us come back for the Purdue game. We want you there with us, uh, your former players. You belong there. Um, you're, you're, you know, this is where you made your name. This is where you made your mark. And we want you there with us. And that phone call, as well as a number of others, will really pave the road for this to happen. Obviously, uh, Coach Knight's been back in, in, in Bloomington for, you know, a little while now. And, you know, he's been around here and there. And I think that last night or yesterday afternoon, I think that was the moment the fans wanted. Um, I think it was a moment that, you know, Coach Knight wanted as well. And I think it was really a moment that the players wanted. The players, you know, talking to Randy Whitman and Woodford and Isaiah and a number of them. So they they, they were hurt not only by coaches hiring, but they were first that this divorce had not been, you know, they had not been a healing moment. And, you know, they wanted it too because they're part of IU. They're part of IU basketball. And they look at Bob Knight as the reason they came to IU, the reason all of this, the reason the banners are hung, the reason there's, uh, you know, 11 Big Ten titles uh, during Knight's tenure. And they really wanted it as well. And they were definitely a big, big part of it. Um, and, and that scene over in Cook Hall, which was private, um, it was really something to behold, to, to just to take a look in there and see all those great players smiling and laughing with Bob Knight on campus at Indiana University. You just look at that scene and say, that's the way it should be at this place. He was hurt, wasn't he? This wasn't about anger necessarily. He, this was about hurt for a long time. That's what kept him away for all those years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many people have mischaracterized it for just 
you know, put their own view on it and their views are wrong. They say, you know, Bob Knight's mad at IU, Bob Knight this and that. Or you know, Bob Knight was stung deeply by his firing because in his eyes, he knew he had had some missteps. You know, he, he's a flawed human, but he was still a great coach. But he looked around at college basketball and saw pay, players getting paid, players getting cars, all sorts of illicit, you know, inappropriate things occurring. And he looked at Miles Brandon and went, you fired me for telling a college kid to address a grown man as coach or mister? And look at all this other stuff going on. He was truly stunned by that. And so was his wife. And so were people who were very close to him. Um, you know, everybody has their own opinion about Coach Knight's, you know, off-court missteps. And those are, like you said, those are well chronicled. But Bob Knight was really stung by looking around the landscape of college basketball, seeing all kinds of inappropriate things going on. And then Miles Brand fires him for what he thought was really basically nothing. And he was truly hurt. He was really hurt. And it was one of those things that took him a long time to really get past. And the other thing that's interesting is when, when, when he moved back to Bloomington, he wasn't too sure, you know, what do the fans think of me now? Um, because, you know, during the 20 years of the past, you know, he said some very disparaging things, which, you know, it happened. Um, but he wasn't too sure exactly what the fans thought of him. And when he went to um, – so the Hoosier Saris event, there's a Bluebird, you know, a couple, I guess a couple months back now, and all those fans, you know, stood there and chanted Bobby, Bobby, and Coach, 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 and those kind of things. I think that was something that really kind of reached him that, hey, they do actually still really love me here. They do want me here. And that was also one of those moments that kind of like a key, you know, part of this road to get him to go back to Assembly Hall. Yeah, I never thought that he felt that he was above anything, that this was a human being who knew that he was flawed and thought that family, like a, like your own family, would look and help you and take you in and take all of what you are. That didn't happen with Indiana, if you know what I mean. So that, that did sting him. So when he walked through that tunnel, describe that moment and how emotional that was. Jeff, I was at home. I couldn't make it to Bloomington. I had an event last night here in St. Louis. I was in tears. I had tears rolling down my cheeks, and I know that a lot of people in that building felt the same way. Yeah, I think there was a, there was a lot more emotion than um, it was jubilation that he was going to earn. But I think by the time his game started, everybody realized he's not rumors that this happened. So there was, you know, an expectation, an understanding of what's coming at halftime. And as they started announcing, you know, they announced all the former players first by name, a couple dozen of them, several dozen, from, from multiple decades, 70s, 80s, 90s. And as they came out, the, the anticipation grew. You're looking at the tunnel. They're right across from the benches. And opposite of where... The, you know, the, the, the team comes out for pregame, but where other people come out, you see the players come out, you see Isaiah Thomas, you see Randy Whitman and, and Mike Woodson and, and all those guys, <clears throat> and everybody's just kind of waiting. And then when Knight comes around the corner and starts to walk out, you know, the ovation just kind of grew and grew and kind of crescendoed. But there was a lot of emotion in that room as well. And, uh, you know, I – 
couple of my friends, their parents were sitting a few rows behind me, and I'm videotaping it, and I took just a split second to turn and glance, and, you know, here's a friend of my dad who served in the Air Force for years and years and years, grown man, tears streaming down his face. You know, he was not welling up, or he was just misty-eyed. He was just crying. And I know there, there was a portion of that. I think part of it was so many fans just wanted the chance to say thank you to Bob Knight one more time. Because when he was fired, you know, okay, boom, you're done. <clears throat> yeah, a few days later, you had a, the event at their Dunn Meadow when he talked to, you know, the gathering. There were about several thousand people there. But the fans never had a chance. There was not a, okay, Bobby Knight's going to retire. This is his last season. Everybody get to a game and cheer him. You know, it was a boom, he's gone. And the fans were left for 20 years just like, we want to say thank you. And I heard so many people tell me that. Rabbi, we just want a chance to say thank you. And we've never gotten to as a collective group in Assembly Hall. And it was it was a very, I, I, I think it was a healing moment, huh? I think it was healing for the fans. I think it was healing for his former players. Um, and I also think it was very healing for Bob Knight. Now, whether he admits that or not, I have no idea. But I honestly think that it was healing for him to go back and realize, hey, they do still love me here. And I also say this, from talking to many people, Bob Knight also wanted a chance to basically do something to let the fans know, hey, I love you too. That's beautiful. Uh, I have a personal story about Coach Knight that I'll share with you. He means uh, so much to me. I I don't even know where to start. I'll share that with you on the side, but I I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You tell a beautiful story, Jeff. You do a terrific job for Peaks.com on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I look forward to talking to you again. I'll be in the house with my girls uh, for the Iowa game on Thursday, so maybe I'll run into you there. Sounds good. Always good talking to you, Tom. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Jeff Rabjohn's with us, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. We'll be back next hour. We'll talk some Cardinal baseball right here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.